0: Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. I always love celebrating, uh, you know, Dr. King and how he led a non-violent revolution in Jesus' name for the good of our country. Amen. And so just exceptional leadership. So we honor Dr. King today with, uh, with both the way that we talk and speak to each other and both the way that we love people outside of this room. So grateful for Dr. King's leadership and legacy. So if you would turn or scroll to Acts chapter 2. Verses forty-two to forty-seven, and one of my absolute favorite passages in the Bible. Uh, Memorize this if you can, okay? So, and you see, too, we put a uh, an ESV study journal, no, Scripture journal, in each of your uh, seats for the Book of Acts, and we have extras of those if you want to take it to a friend. But you can bring that back every week as we kind of walk through Acts. We're going to go through the Book of Acts week by week. You can take notes in there, and you know. And honestly, those those Scripture journals. I have the whole set of the Bible of them, and it changed my quiet time. So if you're looking for a resource to help you, uh, you know, study the Bible more, it's it's mobile, it's just the one book, and you can take good notes. So uh, those are yours to keep, of course, take notes, take it with you. Okay, so before we get into the text this morning, so okay, across the world, across the room today, what are we really looking for? What are you searching for? As Noah said in the notebook, what do you want? What do you want, okay? So we move jobs, we get academic degrees, we we get into relationships, we get out of relationships, we do all these things, but what are we really after? Okay, I submit to you today that we're after awe, that we're gonna see the church experience today, and that's because you were created for something big, something truly awesome. You ever wondered why life just kind of seems to lack purpose sometimes? Why, Or maybe you actually reached that summit, you reach that summit you were trying to get to, and then once you get there, you only once you got to that summit, you only realize there are more summits ahead, and not that lasting peace that you were promised or hope. Here's what the culture is preaching to you. Okay, here's all the cultural a lot of the cultural messages coming at you. You be you, be true to yourself. Listen to your heart, follow your feelings. You're in charge of your own happiness. You get what you give. Make it happen for yourself. Create your own destiny. You do you. But that path of self-fulfillment does not lead to awe. It's the wrong road to where you're really trying to get. That narrative of modernity that you can find yourself by looking at yourself, by looking within yourself, that assumes that there's a real you deep down, okay? That you have to find that real you somewhere buried deep. The assumption is that that you, is masked, or hidden, or obscured by society, or by your your family, or by rules that were imposed on you. Uh, this is the basic plot of every Disney movie, by the way. Watch for cultural narratives as your kids watch these movies. Basically, if I would just let it go, and not hold back anymore, I would finally find who I am, okay? Even the coming out narrative assumes the same thing, okay? That there is a you to somehow be true to, and to find, and discover, okay? So, but, Okay, you don't find life's meaning by looking within, but by looking at God. You don't find what life's all about by self-fulfillment and you doing you. You find life's purpose by serving others and living in Jesus's way, okay? And that's what brings, that's what brought this early church that we'll see today. That's what brought them this, this sense of transcendence. By giving away their couch and selling it for their friend, by worshiping together by, by eating meals at a table together, they experience awe, what well, we're all after. So we just, we weren't built to live only for ourselves. We were placed on earth for something far bigger than the narrow borders of our own survival or our own little definition of happiness. Okay, so let's look at Acts 2, 42 to 47. And they, the early church, devoted, if you mark in in your Bible, circle that word devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were Uh, together, and they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as anybody had any need, verse 46, and day after day after day, attending the temple together and breaking bread together in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. What a life. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number. People were getting saved every single day in that church. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. After Peter's sermon, we saw that last week a little bit. You can read it later if you missed it. Uh, that, you know, his sermon culminated with repent and be baptized. Okay. That's a pretty good sermon. All, uh, that's, most of the Old Testament prophets, that was their entire sermon. Repent and be, well, not be baptized. It's a longer story there, but repent for sure. Okay, so. And he gives us this beautiful, Luke, the author here, in verses 42 to 47, he gives us this really beautiful picture of how we ought to be together, how the early church was in practice together. So in verse 42, we see that they were devoted to four actions, devoted to studying the Bible, fellowshipping with one another, sharing the table together, and being a people of prayer. And what was the result of their study, their fellowship, their prayer? Awe. Okay, okay. By truly sharing their lives with each other, by studying God's word and praying together these simple things that we do all the time, awe came upon every soul, it says. Another result was their generosity, yet another result was their gladness and joy, yet another result was their church exploded with salvation. It's new people coming into their church, and it just sounds like a pretty good life they built together as they were this cohesive unit. So let's look at the four actions that this church was devoted to, and then we'll look at the four results, okay? Okay. Pretty structured sermon for me today, so enjoy it while it lasts. All right. First, the first thing they devoted themselves to was studying the Bible. Of course, it says they're the apostles' teaching. Now we have the written scriptures, so this is what it looks like for us. You know, Christianity is a word-based religion. Following an event that happened a couple thousand years ago, Jesus being resurrected, now it's a word-based religion. We study the Bible. God reveals himself to us in a book with words so when we gather here, you don't come to hear some guy that wrote down some some pithy thoughts this week. You come to hear the word, the active, living, sharper than any two-edged sword, word of God. Our hearts are not naturally godly. You know that about yourself? Okay, uh, our sin makes us think wrongly, it distorts how we live. So at Redemption City, if you're new to us this morning, if you're new to us pretty recently, we are Bible people. We are Bible people all the way. Believe that this We believe that this book is inerrant without any mixture of error, okay? And listen, God is not ashamed of one sentence in this book. He, he's good with all of it. He wrote all of it. And so it's perfectly God's word to us. And it's not like we're reading Israelite mail this morning, okay? This is for us today, applicable to us this morning. First John says that, the, that, the, that God gave us the Bible, So that we may know, you can know that you have eternal life. That's why he, because he loves us and he wants us to know and flourish. And so I think it's noteworthy that as Luke is telling us, the the four things that this early church devoted themselves to, he put studying the Bible at the very top. I think that's noteworthy. And so these people didn't abandon the study of the word of God as the spirit was rushing through. Their midst, They didn't abandon the Word as the Spirit was moving. No, I think the Spirit drove them to the apostles' teaching and us to the Bible all the more. So they devoted themselves to studying the Bible, to selfless fellowship we see there. Look at how crazy these people were. Look at verses 44 and 45. And all who believed, the whole church, were together. The description there is just really super unified, okay? They were together, and they had all things in common they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to anybody else in the church as they had any need. And that word any there in the Greek means any, okay? Any at all, at all. So what a countercultural way to live in any society ever, okay? There was no yours and mine but ours. It's hard to imagine, honestly, even for us, and I think we're a pretty generous community, but I think it's hard for us to even imagine and so you just think about the links that we go to to protect our money, complicated passwords and all these different things that just to guard our stuff and possessions, we guard it. But this church was selling possessions so that brothers and sisters would have everything they need. Again, not just like giving extra. Oh, we got a little bit extra this month. Okay, you can have that. Or not just a couple of rich families carrying the team. Okay, but like one guy selling his couch so that another church member could take his daughter to the, to the doctor. Okay, that kind of example. So first guy's like, bro, I'll sit on the floor. Your daughter's more important. That kind of spirit. Who could imagine a love like this, this side of heaven, right? Only Jesus' love through us could produce that kind of selflessness. And before, okay, before somebody's like, get that communism out of here, man. What are you talking about? This Okay, th- th- this isn't an example of communism this morning. Okay, uh, hang on. The-, the church didn't abandon the idea of private property. Texans, everything's good. You're okay there? okay. Stealing being a sin in the Bible shows that private property is right and good, okay? The early church wasn't modeling any sort of communism or anything like that. They were modeling radical generosity and not forced generosity, okay? But I'm giving what I want to give. See how Jesus had changed their desires from keeping and hoarding to giving freely, okay? No government could produce this if the federal government you know, sent all of us a letter and said, hey, you know, just kind of pray about what you want to send us in taxes this year. Um, let us know. That's not going to go well. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, <laughs> that's how much I'm going to send. Okay, amen. But the church, free, the church here gives freely, voluntarily, sacrificially, generously to help each other and those outside of the church. We see that all throughout the Gospels and Acts and forward in the New Testament. Think about this too. How did they know who was in need? There wasn't like a Facebook group where you could post your needs. Okay, they're, they're, they couldn't text easily, right? We, it's, in some ways, it's easier for us. How did they know who needed well Like, how did they know who needed a couch and who needed groceries? How did they know who was going to spend Christmas morning alone and needed somebody to be with? How'd they know? Acts two doesn't make it explicit of how they knew, but we can gather that those in need laid down their pride to say, "I'm in need." That's hard for us, I think. And they let their church family know. And we can see very clearly that the church was quick. They knew if I go, man, my family didn't have any groceries this week. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the church was going to meet that need. So we can assume that they paid attention to each other. You know, loving often just looks like paying attention to each other. We're a family in here. If you're new to us, we really do. We actually do. We don't just love each other. We like each other. Okay, we're family. And if you're in need, financially, emotionally, whatever it is, we are excited. Listen to me, we're excited to step toward that with you. You just, we, we don't know unless, I mean, we're going to pay attention as best we can. But, you know, and there's a lot of us in here, even as I say that, you know, there's a lot of us in here. So, really, the best way to be known and to know others in our church is to be part of one of our small groups. We call them city groups. And so, let me tell you about those for just a second um, as an application point for you today if you're not in a city group. We have five now. Okay, we just multiplied into, into two more homes, and so the Fox, the Foxy group, I think that's the way that we could, he's holding a baby, you're doing your thing, go for it. The, the, the Stone Cold Fox group meets Tuesdays at 630, uh, about a mile from here, okay, and so actually If you want to be part of that group, Courtney, there's 10 or 12 people in that group. They just started Tuesdays at 6.30, if that works for your schedule, right here close. The Jackson group, They meet Tuesday nights at 6, a lot of young families in that group, and it's, again, about a mile from here in Ventana neighborhood. I won't give them your address from up here, but we'll give you his address and his name, his address, if you want to check that one out. Our city group, we're starting this Wednesday night. Yeah, raise the roof, Tay, that's it. Wednesdays at 6 p.m., we live in the Skyline Ranch neighborhood, very close to here, not even a mile as well. Would love to have any of you, 6 p.m., Wednesday nights. And the Noveli group, we got a group in Bedford that's that's packed as well. What's up, Bedford? B-Town? Does anybody say B-Town? There's a lot of raising the roof. I didn't know that was still a thing, but it's, it's cross-generation, so that's a like, yeah, that's good, raise it. So Thursday nights in Bedford, so if you're in that area of DFW, or just FW, we don't want to, we don't mess with D, okay. The Uptons uh, City Group, they're on campus at Southwestern Seminary, I know a few of you guys are over there, so Wednesday nights at six. Okay, so if you, if any of those options fit you, man, please, and, and just shout out to my group. We're brand new this Wednesday, and we feed people good. Okay, so if you want to come to my group, Wednesdays at 6. So after, so you can mark on your connection card that, uh, the, the little blue card uh, under your seat, if you want to, you can mark on that and put it in the giving box that you are interested, in, and I'll call you, and I'll talk you through it. Or, if you want, you can see faces. Um, if you want to talk to any of us and say, I want to come to your group, we'll get you all the information uh, and there'll be somebody at the connection table after, too, to really talk you through it. And I'll be honest with you, too. I made this note. All of our groups are growing really quickly. There's room for you. Okay, Don't. there's room for you in each of our groups, but we're growing like crazy, praise God. And so we need a few more host homes. So it, you don't have to lead the group. You just got to tidy up and smile. So if you're willing for your home to be a host home, you tell me, and it won't happen next week, but it might. Okay, so let me know. Uh, but there's room for you in each of these groups, okay? So uh, try us out, and we have a good time. So they were devoted to, back to the text, studying the Bible to the second one is selfless fellowship, and they're devoted to table fellowship. So there's a bit of a debate here in this verse as to whether or not Luke is talking about the Lord's Supper, but either way, he's emphasizing how often they shared a table together. Um, There's just something special about a meal. You know, and I just, I love food, you know, not just that, but just the fact that just sharing a table, sharing a life, having time together. In our city groups that I was just talking about, we share a meal every week. And that can be a little bit of a burden, honestly. It it can be something that's tough to coordinate, but we think it's worth it. Because as we eat, as we talk about our week, week after week and week after week, there's just something special that happens together as we talk and grow together naturally. And it's amazing to me how often I think sometimes, uh, I don't mean to be critical here, but sometimes people evaluate small groups on what they get out of it. But if you notice in the text here this morning, Luke only talks about what they gave in their small group, not what they received, okay? And so... Acts goes on and on and on about how exactly the church took care of each other, how they gave, they embody the generosity of Jesus. They're just following Jesus' example here of how to live. You know, it really should be a regular occurrence for you to care for somebody in our church. should not be an uncommon thing for you, for me, to, to take a meal, to give a listening ear, whatever it looks like. Because the world's kind of gone crazy, right? You know, you don't have to look far to see that humanity keeps looking to the same old stuff to make us happy, but those things keep making us sadder and more desperate that we we keep giving our hearts and affections to things that will never satisfy us. And so we keep looking to money to satisfy, then it doesn't. And so we try to get more money and more experiences and more stuff, and then that doesn't work. So then we jump to a different relationship, and then that doesn't really do the trick like we thought it would. So then we, do we have the video? Okay, so I don't know if y'all seen B Movie, big fan. Anything Jerry Seinfeld does, I'm in, Okay. And so there's a scene in there with how I think we treat life. Ow! What, what was that? Maybe this time, this time, this time, this time, this time, this time, this time. This, this. Maybe this time. Oh, I'll try money. Oh, that didn't work. Maybe this time, relationship. Maybe this time, maybe this time. How about you switch it up, try it Jesus' way, and see if that works. Live in community, serve somebody, accept our love and give us your, don't well, maybe just switch it up. Instead of over and over and over hitting the wall that the world is promising you is going to make you happy, it never will. It's a bag of empty promises. Jesus' way is antithetical to what the world teaches. Listen, the world can never deliver on the promises it's making to you. It never will. I know it kind of seems like it's going to, but it never will. The truth is, it really is better to give than receive. It truly is. Uh, Jesus' way is better. Here we see a group of believers that in Acts, the beginning of this chapter, Acts 2, 5, says from every nation under heaven. Man, don't you want our church to look like that? Okay. Every nation under heaven, diverse racially, different socioeconomic statuses. Some had PhDs, some didn't even have their GED. All united and getting a taste of heaven because of the way they treated each other. In Jesus' name, because they're worshiping Jesus and praying. So they were devoted to studying the Bible, selfless fellowship, table fellowship, and prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Let's all acknowledge real quick that uh, we all feel guilty with how little we pray. Can we get that behind us? Okay, now let's talk about prayer for a second. Luke emphasized... Uh, that they were a community of prayer. You know, one of the ways that you can grow in prayer is that we grow in prayer. We always want to be looking for more opportunities to pray together. We pray, so you know, substantively every week in city groups. We pray. We're going to pray together here today. We want to always be looking for ways to pray together. And so, this church did not go by gut feelings or intuition, but by actively submitting to the Lord's direction. Okay, throughout the Book of Acts, we as we. As we read this together, the next however long it takes together, we see that they're a praying church. They prayed corporately, they prayed on their own, they prayed without ceasing, they prayed. In the temple, in homes, as they walked along the road, as they encountered sick people, before they preached sermons, before they heard sermons, while they were being persecuted, they prayed for each other. Before they ate their food to give thanks, they thanked Jesus for forgiving their sins. They praised God in song. As they praised God in song, they prayed. They prayed for daily needs. And I could go on and on and on and on. You don't walk far in Acts without stumbling over these people praying. It's everywhere. So, and now look at a result of their actions, okay? So of those four things, actions they were devoted to, look at the first result, was awe we looked at. God was moving, and it was awesome, okay? And that's a word we ever use, okay? The nachos are not awesome. Tom Brady throwing is not awesome, okay? His jawline, maybe, okay? But I'll regret that later, but but just think, okay? Selfish people, that's us. Selfish people in this church Laying down their lives for each other, man, that's awesome. That's the appropriate word, the appropriate word to use there. People from all nations coming together on a Sunday morning in a gym and lifting Jesus' name high. Man, that is awesome. We experience this all together. Again, all doesn't come from anything that this world offers. So C.S. Lewis, Clive Staples, my guy, he tells a story of a little boy heading toward a beach. And the boy, he's never been to the beach before, okay, and his parents are really excited to take him for the first time for a day at sea. And so he can't see it yet, it's, it's just over the hill, so the sea is just right there, but he can't quite see it yet. But before they get over the hill, there's this really fun puddle of mud. Little boys love to play in that, okay? So all of a sudden, he jumps into the puddle of mud, he stays there, and his parents are like, yo, come on, let's, let's go, the, the sea's just right over there, you're gonna love it, come on, it's just right, you're gonna love it. But all day, he stays in the puddle of mud, and the little boy never gets to experience and enjoy what's so much better, the day of sea, the day at sea that's ahead. And so, so often, as C.S. Lewis says elsewhere, we are far too easily pleased. You know, what this world offers is a fun day in the mud puddle when the day at sea is just over the hill as we live out God's way. So as a result, they, they experience that awe that the sea and different big things bring. They, they experience generosity. that, And we've looked at their generosity deeply today, but, but I wanna make this plain. The Bible is asking you to live this way. Okay, i want to make that plain. Um, have you ever thought about exactly how or exactly what Satan offered Eve in the garden in Genesis 3, Eve of like Eve, Adam and Eve, okay? What the snake offered Eve was more. He said in, uh, this is Satan talking to Eve in Genesis 3, 4, and 5. He said to the woman, you're not gonna die. God doesn't mean that. God knows when you eat of the, of the fruit, your eyes will be open and you will, look at this, be like God. You're gonna know good and evil, so Satan wanted Eve to find herself. This is, a, this is not a new trick that he plays on us. He wanted her to get on the path of self-fulfillment when her life was all about what she wanted. So when I opt for a me-centered more, when I want to be like God and take his place in my life, what I actually get is much, much less than what I'm trying to get. Satan's kind of like a used car salesman. I don't know if you ever encountered one of these guys, okay, that will say anything to sell the car. Here's what they do. They, they, they maximize the positive, and they, they don't even really mention the negative, okay? So, And they're like, man, this sweet ride right here, finest sound system you'll ever hear. Turns the bass up. You hear that? Okay. He doesn't mention that the, the engine doesn't work. Okay. He just, oh, you hear that sweet? system, It's amazing, okay? Such are the lies of Satan. He embellishes the positive and shrinks the negative. So he whispers to us that making life about what I want best is the way forward, okay? Now he leaves out that that path of the world is a bottomless pit that'll never satisfy you. He leaves that part out, okay? But we see, as we see the generosity of this early church, only in Jesus's way of being generous with our church family can we really experience this awe, this fulfillment, this transcendence that we're really after. So result, awe, generosity, glad hearts. So it's interesting to me that the, the result of this church living out Jesus' way was both reverent awe and glad hearts that sing out, right? And so there are times that we worship with gladness and we sing out, and there are times where it's a still, awe, reverent, and both are vibrant worship, okay? Last result is salvations every day. Man, I hope we see that, okay? Uh, You know, this is not, what we're doing here is not an isolated private club, okay? This is not a hermetically sealed community of holiness, amen? A vibrant church extends itself in two directions, okay? Toward God and toward our neighbor, that's a vibrant church. The city around this church that we're looking at this morning couldn't help but want in. And they, were, they couldn't help but join this church and get saved and follow Jesus because of the way that these people loved each other. And it's clear that there is an important connection between how we treat each other and how many people will get saved as a result of our ministry. That's just a really clear thing in the scriptures. So the Gospels, Acts, it's clear that we are to take initiative in that, that we, we take initiative before somebody even asks for help, that we offer help, that we go to our neighbor, that we go to our friend. I'll close with one final story, okay? Uh, I've told a part of this before, but a, a friend of mine is a pastor in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he's a lead pastor, so like everybody knows who he is at the church or whatever, and he and his wife, uh, they adopted four kids from Russia all at the same time. Okay, so overnight they got four kids, and they take their kids to his church for the first time, and so everybody kind of knows who these kids are. Day one, <laughs> their first Sunday in church, um, I'll say it this way, they shot the bird to a bunch of deacons, <laughs> which if, I've been in church for a while. I get it, you know, a little bit. You understand why it would be deacons. So so the the, the pastor's kids shot the, shot the bird at a bunch of deacons, but... You know, that, was, that behavior was normal to those kids, okay? They were adopted into a new family, but their old behavior didn't stop right away, okay? It took a family showing them and modeling for them and patiently teaching them for years, right? And so God uses your faith in Christ to get you forgiveness, and he uses the family of Christ to show you how to live out your new freedom, That's where we come in. It might take, you know, it takes years to learn to live out Jesus' way, and we still mess it up all the time. And so I just want to say, we'll be patient with you, man. If you're new to the faith, if you're not even with Jesus just yet, here's my promise. If you stick with us, we'll stick with you. I promise. We're not going anywhere out of this gym one day, maybe, but as far as locally, we're not going anywhere. If you stick with us, we're going to stick with you. Together, we have all we need.